Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very stoked to have you. Um, but uh, if this is your first time listening, a little introduction to the podcast. Uh, I'm based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba with a heavy focus on the independent wrestling scene, basically anything within driving distance of Winnipeg. Um, so you have your Saskatchewan's, your Alberta's, North Dakota's, Minneapolis, all of that. I like to focus on the wrestling scenes there, bringing you interviews with wrestlers who are based out of there, who have wrestled in Winnipeg. But with that being said, I just love talking wrestling. So if I get the opportunity to talk to, you know, whether it's a wrestler, a manager, promoter, announcer, whatever it may be who might not be situated in that area, I still am more than happy to have them on and just talk wrestling and talk about what they have going on. So today, I have a special guest. Um, a lot of you are very familiar with uh, my guest today. He is, he's been all over wrestling for many, many years. Um, I was very excited to be able to have him on as a guest and just to uh, share some stories and talk wrestling. Today, my guest is none other than Frank the Clown. I'm sure you have seen him front row at many different uh, wrestling events, pay-per-views or Raws. I mean, you may know him from the Holy Foley show about uh, Mick Foley and all of that. But uh, I was able to run into Frank down in uh, Minneapolis during Full Gear Weekend. Uh, we shared the story of how this uh, interview all came together and how he was able to join me on the podcast. But uh, we, we got to chat just about... Uh, wrestling in general you know talked about full gear we talked about you know his introduction to wrestling being a part of warrior wrestling i mean he's banned from the upcoming warrior wrestling show so he gets into that a little bit uh, we talk about money in the bank 2011 where he was front row for that watching cm punk win the title in chicago and what a historic moment that was so we talk about all of that so without further ado on the Grainmaker wrestling podcast frank the clown now, what was it your first introduction into wrestling? How did you first get involved just as a fan? Yes. Yeah, so I, my earliest memory was flipping through the channels back in like, I want to say 96. So I was, I'm, I'm 31 now. So I was six then. And it was one of the spring break WCW Nitro, Speci mm -hmm. more specifically I want to say it was the one the night after the NWO formed where I, I could be wrong on that, but where they were like throwing Rey Mysterio into the trailers and they're spray painting the trailers, like the club La Vila ones, or whatever they did. And I just remember, I vividly remember watching that whole thing unfold back. I mean, it was at Disney or MGM studios. I forget it, but one of those nitros was outdoors and they were doing stuff in the studio lots and they were throwing Rey Mysterio around and everything. And, and I just remember watching with my dad and I was like, what is this? You know, I had no idea, obviously being mm -hmm. a child, and this was wrestling and that was it so i was strictly a wcw kid back in the day like i wasn't a channel flipper like mm -hmm. i was wcw through and through to the day they got sold and then i transitioned over to wwf now obviously i was a little bit of as i got a little bit older i was aware of like 
who was on the other show. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily know all the stories. But I knew The Rock and Stone Cold Undertaker. But um, not until WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17 was the first WWF pay-per-view I had bought ever because that was the first one after literally the six days after WCW was bought out. So mm-hmm. that's like my earliest memory. But man, those WCW days, I'm, I'm so fond of. I reminisce on them all the time. Even though like looking back on it, a lot of it wasn't very good. Yeah. As a kid, I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Well, I think because like up in Canada, we would always get Nitro the day after. So we would have Raw sure. on Mondays. Nitro would be shown on Tuesdays, but so everyone already knew what was going on, but seeing some of those cruiserweight matches, that's what always stuck out to me because you were getting stuff that you didn't normally see on raw. What was it that drew you to WCW? Was it the bigger names, the Hogan's, the flares, or did you like the cruiserweights? Yeah, it was definitely like Hogan, Um, Hogan and the NWO. I was like a a smart before (laughs) I was even, you know, out of elementary school. I love the heels and I didn't like the bad guy or, and I didn't like the good guys probably reflects a little bit on my on my personas now but yeah we i remember like me and my buddies back then we hated goldberg like Mm -hmm. we thought goldberg was the shit (laughs) and like i remember when goldberg had beat hogan for the title on nitro like you know my dad and and our friends dads they love goldberg and like they love the white meat baby face and they're blowing off fireworks in the backyard and me and we're like depressed we're like oh my god hogan so like, no, I, I definitely gravitated towards like the NWO. I was like Hogan for Halloween, Hollywood Hogan. And I had all the <laughs> figures, all the shirts. And, uh, and like, don't get me wrong. Like looking back now, like I actually like Goldberg. And like, I, I, I almost would say I didn't like Sting back then um, simply because I loved Hogan. But Sting is like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So it, it back then as a kid, I was just like NWO, NWO, NWO. They're the best. And then, yeah, like the Cruiserweights were awesome and Rey Mysterio and mm-hmm. Dean Malenko and Jericho and Hoovy and all those guys. So like, I always liked the goofy stuff and WCW did too. And they did a lot of goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Macho Man and, and all those guys, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, especially is one of my three, one of my top three mm-hmm. uh, ever for sure. And uh, so I just liked the guys that were to me cool, like six, seven, eight year old me, the guys that Frank thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to uh, get a chance to go to a WCW show? Yeah, yeah. So I faintly remember a couple of them. I went to a couple of Nitros. Uh, I, I have two, three random memories that have stuck with me. And I, I almost need to fact check myself at some point. But I remember one of the Nitros I went to, it was like a big deal that Goldberg was going to face Van Hammer. Real <laughs> deep cut there. So like Goldberg was out in the midst of his streak and they were starting to put bigger and bigger guys. Mm-hmm. And it was like, is Goldberg going to lose to Van Hammer? Van Hammer's seven feet tall. Is he, this is his toughest challenge yet. <laughs> I just remember that vividly. And I want to say there was some sort of Hogan and Piper. I don't know if it was a match or if it was some sort of interaction on that same show. And then one of the other shows that I do vividly remember was when Warrior came back in the lead up to Halloween Havoc 98. I think and so. it was, um, I just remember the ring filled up with smoke and then he either appeared or vanished or something with Hogan. That's how the show ended. I, I can remember myself being there. I could tell you where I was sitting. I couldn't tell you another thing on that show, but that stuck with me. So I went to a handful of Nitros. I actually went to a handful of Raws as well. Um, and again, and even like house shows, but I could very, very faintly remember them. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a point where you kind of disconnected from wrestling at all growing up? Not really. No, I, I've been steady because normally a lot of people you talk to had some sort of gap in their fandom, right? They mm-hmm. faded out of it for one reason or another, whether they just grew up and, and became mature adults or they didn't. 
And I think, well, I'm one of the ones that did not. And I kind of stuck with it. And, and honestly, almost nowadays, I'm not disconnected from it, but I don't make, it's not appointment television for me a lot anymore. Um, and it's just also how life goes. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's this stuff going on and DVR makes life a lot easier where mm-hmm. back then you had to be watching. Otherwise you'd have to, you know, order the pay-per-view on replay the next day or whatever. So realistically, no, I, I feel like I've been steady literally since day one um, watching for, for better or for worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I know like myself, there was a part in the late 2000, right before 2010-ish, where like I'd follow along, I'd read Observer, the raw reports yeah. and all that, but I had checked out from watching. And I remember what got me back in, and this is going to tie into our next thing, was yeah. uh I was on Twitter and people were talking about the CM Punk pipe bomb promo right before money sure. in the bank. So I heard them talking, I flipped it on and I'm watching him just talk about stuff that you'd never would have heard on wrestling. You were at money in the bank, 2011. Yeah. What was that like, man? So I've went on record a million times and said, that's my favorite match ever. Um, whether I was there or not, it, and it's just more than the match. It was the story, obviously, leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, Punk has always been kind of my number one. He's, he's my hero. And Cena was always my number two. I'm not ashamed to say I love John Cena. Mm-hmm. So to have these two collide in what was essentially the most important match of that era in Chicago, my hometown, with that crowd, which is almost second to none um, in terms of a WWE crowd, and to have such a unbelievable story and such an unbelievable match a 40 some odd minute match it was something where wrestling is done right it's really really good and they sometimes strike like you know catch lightning in a bottle um and whatever happened after the fact is is almost it wasn't maybe everything we wanted it to be mm-hmm. what it could have been but for that one particular night it was basically perfect i don't know mm-hmm. what i even would have changed throughout that whole story so to be there i knew how much it meant to punk i knew how much it meant to chicago i knew how much it meant to me it was like emotional. Um, it was very uncertain. Nobody really knew what was going to happen, which is hard to do. Even 10 years ago, I mean, Twitter and stuff was all around. It wasn't maybe as prominent as it is today, but mm-hmm. like the dirt sheets and everything very much existed. And, um, and no one really knew what was going to happen next, which I think the mystique of it all really played into the whole story and made it so incredible to watch because you just really, really didn't know. I, I, remember like going to the show and just thinking like, yeah, Cena's just going to win. They're just going to move on. And that's going to mm-hmm. be it. Like I, there were some seeds of doubt planted in my mind that maybe punk, you know, there was going to be something more to this, but I definitely remember going to that. Just thinking like, yeah, it's just going to be a great match. And there was really no reason to believe punk was going to win. They never booked him to be the guy that beats John Cena, but they obviously, you know, worked everything out and had a story in mind, but yeah, it was, that night was so special. And, and for so long, I had said that it almost makes me sad how good it was because I felt like, and still to this day somewhat feel like nothing could ever top that personally for me. Cause it was just the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. It was definitely like a once in a lifetime, like everything just came yeah. together and just made like a perfect moment. You know, the crowd, yeah. there's been very few crowds like that since then, you know, that's right up yeah. there with, Hogan and Rock from WrestleMania, where the yeah, crowd yeah. was just something else. It was unanimous. You know, it was unanimous. It was real hometown passion. And at the time, that was kind of the peak of Cena getting booed, especially in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. like the the dynamic of all the dynamic of it all was so cool. And they fed into it and played into it, and, and just the whole thing. And it was almost kind of like over 
booked, but it was overbooked to perfection with like Vince coming out and John Laurinaitis and then Del Rio coming out. And then, the, you know, it, there was so many like I wrestling's all about like at the end of the day, wrestling is wrestling like theatrics and shenanigans. And it was like the perfect match with the perfect amount of shenanigans that just all tie together. And yeah, it was again, the perfect storm. And really it was only a couple weeks of build. So it all happened very quickly. Like it was a meteoric rise for punk, especially. And he was on the fringe and they always treated him like one of like one of the top guys, but never the top guy. Like he yeah. was in that, he was never one of the top three to five guys, but he was always someone they could rely on. They could put anywhere on the card. But yeah, in, within about a three-week span from the pipe bomb, I think the pipe bomb was like June 27th or something. And then the Money in the Bank was July 17th. So literally it was weeks. And Punk mm-hmm. was even not on one, one or two of the shows because he had gotten suspended mm-hmm. uh, for like a, one of those overseas shows. So then he came back that Raw before Money in the Bank and seen his hometown, Boston, which I think is such an underrated Raw and yeah. promo, that whole, like the whole Punk scene of Vince thing. People don't talk about that that much. That was really, really, really good. Um, and it did a really good job selling the pay-per-views. So, yeah, I mean, it was, again, regardless what happened after the fact, it, that run for those couple of weeks was very, very, very special. You, like, you were at Money in the Bank, and, like, a lot of people know you from being at a lot of shows. What other ones have sure. you been to that really stand out to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one of the first one that jumps in my head was I was at, Survivor Series 2011 um, at MSG. So that was when the the Rock and Cena tag, so that was Rock's first match back in however long it was, WrestleMania 20 maybe. Um, and then that was when I Punk won a title back from Del Rio where they kind of righted the wrongs they had did a couple months prior. Mm-hmm. So it was my first time at MSG and I'm a Bulls fan growing up. I was a Michael Jordan kid. So like to be an MSG, basically the house that Michael Jordan built, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it was it was super cool and like, uh, we, you know, we were ringside and it was, that was a really, really fun night. And, it, you know, if you go back and watch when Punk wins the title, he dives into the crowd. I love what he does nowadays. And it, and I was right there and I'm giving him a noogie and it was, yeah, it was super cool. And that whole show was like in the midst of the, uh, the Zack Ryder phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So like he had a mat, he had a run in earlier in the show. I think after the Dolph Ziggler, John Morrison match, man, I'm such a dork. I remember this stuff. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was a really cool atmosphere just to be in a New York crowd for the first time for a big four pay-per-view and obviously Rock being there and then Punk's come back and that whole show from top to bottom, even like those five on five Survivor Series matches they did. Um, they, it was really, really good. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I look back fondly at. Um, what's another one? I'm trying to think of maybe one. Okay. And I'll just go with, uh, survive or not uh, the royal rumble 2013 rock versus punk okay. uh that was in phoenix and i had never thought in my wildest dreams i would see cm punk wrestle the rock mm-hmm. right so to be there for that again ringside and you know that was the end of the, the punk's reign and the start of the rock short reign um that was that was just cool to be there because again that was like a weird fantasy it wasn't even a dream match because you just never even considered that could have happened mm-hmm. and then it did happen. So that that's one that stands out to me too. And I was at Raw 1000, which basically was the start of that story and all that. And that was a super cool show because they, they brought out all the stops on that show. Everybody was on that one. That was in St. Louis. So that era, like 2011, 2012, 2013, that was like Frank the Clown's 
the fan. That was my heyday. Like I was going hard in those times. Oh, I remember there was like a lot of it now is a blur, but I do vividly remember when the Wyatts were introduced, the Shields, and they had the face off with uh, Punk and Brian after one of their matches. So yeah. they had surrounded the ring or whatever, and out came the Usos, and out came uh, Goldust and Stardust. And that to me was just huge. Like I thought it was just an incredible moment right there. So that was one thing I always took away from there. But bringing it back to Rock and Punk, I remember watching that, and I was so angry that The Rock won because I wanted Punk I to keep winning. <laughs> I know, I know. I it's and I almost got worked a little bit too because Punk, you know, beat him, right? And then Vince comes out and restarts the match because the lights went off and the shield came out, and the whole stipulation was the shield can't be there. So what's funny was we were front row on the, the hard cam side, and you could see that you know the rock was sitting there with like a microphone in his hand as this was all developing, and it's like, oh, I know where this is going. So like it's funny because you could see me clear as day when punk pins the rock and I'm jumping up and down while I'm high five my buddy next to me. We're so happy. It's like, how foolish. Of course mm-hmm. I should have known better. The rock's right here. He's ready to cut this promo. Um, but yeah, it was just, again, it was like a spectacle. It, it was very cool to be there. Cena won the rumble that night. So uh, I think Jericho had came back as a surprise uh, in that rumble too. So that was just uh, that's a random one that pops in. And, and again, that kind of was the end of the punk run there for, mm-hmm. you know, he still had, a year left essentially before he left. But uh, that was, was, you know, the last title match. Now from fandom, you have made the transition into actually wrestling a few matches, being a manager. How did that come about? Yeah. So it was always something I had in the back of my mind. Um, You have met me. I am, I am not the largest man in the world um, (laughs) to say the least. So I never necessarily had aspirations to wrestle, but I always thought I could contribute to the wrestling business in other ways via a manager, a mouthpiece, a personality, commentator, whatever. So I've always been a good talker. I've always been strong in front of crowds. It doesn't phase me. So it felt natural to test the waters at some point. And really, it didn't happen until kind of an almost random occurrence. It was back in late 2016. I had gotten a message from one of my buddies, uh, Nick Hausman, who, who writes for WrestlingInc.com. And he was doing pre-shows for one of the independent promotions, Freelance Wrestling here in Chicago. And he basically had free reign on these pre-shows to do whatever he wanted. So he wanted to like interview me about Holy Foley, the show that I was a part of with, with WWE and just kind of see how it went. Now, we knew the crowd was going to react poorly to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we expected it. It was, it was a slam dunk. It was going to happen. So we wanted to kind of turn that into something. So we made it seem like it was going to be a legitimate interview where he's asking me questions and I'm going to struggle through the interview because the crowd is berating me. That was the hope. And that was exactly what happened. What's mm-hmm. funny too was... <laughs> I had a plant in the crowd to really start booing and chanting against me just in case they didn't do anything uh, to like get it going, but we didn't need them. So, uh, so pulling back the curtain there a bit, but yeah, it was so exactly what we expected to happen happened. They're really booing me. They're not letting me talk, you know, Shannon shut the F up, whatever. And uh, eventually I turned it to like, this like shoot promo mm-hmm. and, it's honestly, it might be my favorite promo still to this day. Like for someone who had never actually done an in the ring promo or anything, I, I, I killed it. I crushed it. I thought it was great. 
Um, and it was so good. And I got so much heat that the main event of the show was Ethan Page versus Robert Anthony in a steel cage match, which is like the blow offs, like their year long feud. They asked me then to be a part of the match to manage Ethan Page in the main event of the show. So I never had been on a show before. I'd never done anything. And I went from the pre-show to the main event in a span of one promo. And that kind of set things off because I got a lot of buzz after that promo. It was, it was kind of making the rounds. Uh, I was getting a lot of good feedback, a lot of negative feedback as well. Like a cloud, you know, and uh, yeah, from there, it, it actually took a little bit. Like I was doing spot shows here and there and people I think didn't want to really give me a chance because I was Frank, the clown, the fan, you know, mm-hmm. the front row fan. And I, I understood that. And there's still some stigma of that to this day that people maybe aren't aware that I do, you know, uh, that I'm doing shows consistently, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's where it started. And then slowly, but surely, I think I started gaining respect from people. I was kind of proving myself and I had, a, I still had a big chip on my shoulder. Like I really wanted to prove to people that I could hang and uh, that I could, you know, generate a reaction and, um, you know, make people care. And yeah, and here we are, you know, essentially five years later, but I really didn't start doing it, getting booked consistently really to like 2018 ish. So mm-hmm. it's been like a strong three year run, I would say now. Well, I mean, you'd mentioned Holy Foley and just some of the overall kind of reaction from some people. You're active on Twitter and social media. How do you deal yes. with the negativity on there? I normally don't acknowledge it anymore. Back in the day, I used to like chirp right back at everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I, as I got older, I'm like, you know what? It's not even worth it. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone insults me and leaves an opportunity for me to fire back something even better, I'm going to take that opportunity. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I don't want to spend too much of my time like feeding trolls and all that. Mm-hmm. I have very thick skin. I've always been that way. So, um, you know, a lot of it makes me laugh. So some people can't handle it. Some people can. And uh, I, it's been, it's followed me for many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, justified or not. And, you know, people, something that a, a quote that I always kind of go by is like, if you don't know them personally, don't take it personal. So that's kind of a mantra that I've always gone by. But my thing was that, that I could take this weird internet hate that people didn't like me and turn it into something in the ring. So that's really where everything developed from was like, hey, I have people don't like me. They don't know me. They just know that via the internet or if they see me at a in front row at a show. So why don't I turn this into something? And that was really kind of the brainchild behind it all. So uh, and it's still to this day that that's really kind of what I, and I've developed that, you know, beyond that. But that's really what the root of it was, was like, okay. I like going to these shows, but I feel like I could do more. So why not turn this into something more? And well, you had mentioned that we had the chance to meet before, and uh, I should announce how that came to be was that we were at the Max (laughs) Caster rap show before full gear weekend. And uh, the show was kind of winding down and, a friend of mine, Brady, he had found out that I had never been chopped by a wrestler before. So <laughs> you were standing there and he went up to you and said, hey, can you chop him? And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can, you know, turn this into Frank joining me on the podcast. And you were totally <laughs> cool with that, which I appreciate. You yeah, yeah. 
gave me my first chop and apologized afterwards, but <laughs> you still gave me the first one. I think it was Adam Grace who yeah. followed it up with two just howitzers afterwards. So yeah, he went with the overhand. <laughs> he went with the overhand. I went with the knife edge chop, and I like I told you. You lucked out having me be the first one. There, you could do a lot worse than Frank oh. the Clown chopping you. I think uh, Brady was eyeing up uh, Max Caster up on the stage, but we quickly got out of there before the chance happened. But uh, yeah, probably the good thing. How how did you like Full Gear? Because you were at the show. Yeah, I thought Full Gear Full, full Gear was awesome. Um, I mean, top to bottom, the card was incredible, and really everybody delivered. It's like. I don't like ragging on WWE. I'm not one of those guys. But like when you compare watching Survivor Series to Full Gear, man, there's a big difference in the match quality, a, a substantial difference. And the crowd is so into it and everything feels very important. And maybe that's because you only get four pay-per-views a year. So all of them are, are do have a lot of meaning and a lot of stuff really happens. And then they kind of reset a little bit after the pay-per-view. So they pay off a lot of stuff. But yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a great show. Um, you know, I can't really name a bad match on the show. Mm -hmm. It flowed. It was a four hour show, but it doesn't feel like four hours. It doesn't feel like a chore. Whereas I've watched other wrestling shows that could very much feel like a chore. So yeah, I, I would assume you probably agree. Yeah, it was an awesome show. It was fantastic. I mean, even because I'm one of those guys who I'll write in to the observer and be like, hey, this is my match of the night. This is the one I didn't like. Yeah. And I'm like <laughs> trying to find one you don't like. And it's like, what was there? Because everything, yeah. it delivered in its own way. You had different matches from top to bottom, but each one had its moments. So yeah. what? which one stood out most to you? Because for me, there's about four or five, which I could be like, that would be my match of the night. And it could change depending on the day. Yeah, you know, it's that's you, you, you hit the nail on the head there because there's really not a wrong answer. Honestly, Darby and MJF really set the tone because they opened the show and it was like a follow that kind of deal. It was really, really, really good. Um, and I almost want to say Meltzer was as high as I don't know if it was as high as rated match of the show or Kenny and Hangman was, but yeah, that was that was awesome. Obviously, Kenny and Hangman, the, the story and the match itself was incredible. I loved Punk and Eddie. People thought like, oh, it could have been longer and maybe, but it was a fight. It wasn't a wrestling match. Yeah. It was very heated. It was very different than anything that Punk had done so far. Um, you know, obviously got bloody and it was, it was a free, it was just like, a, it was like a, just a brawl, which that was, that was different and cool. And then even like the, the elite versus uh, Jurassic Express and, and Christian, it was wild. Like it was just all over the place. But it was awesome for what it was. It was just ridiculous spot to ridiculous spot. So that's what I'm saying. The show had a little bit of everything. It had a lot of pure, good technical wrestling. It had obviously like, you know, like Lucha Brothers and, and doing their stuff and FTR. And then you obviously had, um, you know, Kenny and Hangman. And you have Brian and Rusev or Miro is like, the, you know, is like kind of like that, that technical, you know, work rate match, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I, I, I those there's really not a wrong answer, but, but Darby and MJF, that that's the one, like my first instinct, first one in my brain, that was the one. There was something about that match. I don't know if it was just the way that MJF, it, it, he almost brought it to another level with his wrestling abilities, which he yeah, I think people, under, uh, people underestimate him. Mm -hmm. You know, they think he's sometimes like a one trick pony. Like he's just a promo and that's it. It's like, dude can go mm -hmm. dude. And like, he doesn't wrestle that often. So when he does, he makes, it's like special and he, and, and he delivers every time. I love MJF. Uh, what they've Salt been doing 
what they've been doing now with him and CM Punk is just phenomenal. Like I couldn't ask for a better like start to a program. So that was the one I think everybody was waiting for. And so far, so good. And I think it's going to be drawn out even longer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every week it's going to be, you know, it's going to get more intense and, you know, the match uh, when it happens, um, I'm sure it'll deliver as well. Oh, without a doubt. Now you've done quite a bit of stuff for warrior wrestling. And I know the first time I saw you uh, do something with them on pay-per-view was at the October show. Uh, when you came out with the uh, the Hitman music, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, got <laughs> some serious heel heat. So what's it been like working for uh, doing stuff with Warrior? Because, I mean, I saw that you're banned from the building at the next show. So Yeah, so Frank the Clown is Mr. Warrior Wrestling. Um, it, it's a self-anointed title. However, nobody's going to argue against it. I have been a staple of Warrior Wrestling since its inception back in early 2018. I've been a part of Almost every single show, I think I've missed one or two at this point. That's it. I believe on the most, I've been on the most Warrior Wrestling shows. There's a couple others that maybe are giving me a little bit of run for my money. But yeah, I've always been involved in wacky things at Warrior Wrestling. Like to name like the list of different people I've worked with at Warrior Wrestling, it's a who's who. Uh, I mean, from all, like, all different, every promotion, I mean, we go, I'm going to try to rattle off the list. And this will just, this is just to show that they let me do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, truly, they let Frank the Clown do whatever I want. But, like, uh, Hornswoggle, James Ellsworth, David Arquette, that was my first match. My first match was at Warrior Wrestling and Warrior Wrestling 2. And it was me and James Ellsworth in a tag match against David Arquette and RJ City. Uh, it was Arquette's second match back on like his comeback tour, which mm-hmm. he was filming for his documentary and everything. And I was his, he pinned me. It, 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 I was his first win on David Arquette's redemption tour. And my first match, I wrestled David Arquette. So uh, not many could say they wrestled a former WCW champion in their first match. <laughs> but uh, I mean, and then, you know, even going down the list further, like Brian Pillman Jr. We had a long thing with Warhorse, Jake Atlas, uh, George Nella, Mick Foley, Lance Archer, um, I'm forgetting people, I'm sure, but uh, I mean, like most recently, you know, I interrupted Trey Miguel and Jonathan Gresham. So it's really been a who's who. I've I've flown to the ring in a helicopter at Warrior Wrestling. I have rode to the ring in a car, um, a decorated golf uh, lawnmower cart. I've had I've been live wrapped to the ring. My theme song. I've uh, I've done literally everything at Warrior Wrestling I possibly can, and for them to now ban frank the clown from the building the really the promotion the building that frank the clown has built doesn't quite sit well with frank the clown so i perhaps i may pay a visit despite what the contract has said uh frank the clown always has a thing or two up his sleeve well i'm curious to see just what's going to happen because uh that's just not right if you ask me it's not right and really you go back and you watch some of these warrior wrestling shows the people, the fans at Warrior Wrestling are starting to embrace Frank the Clown <laughs> slowly but surely. It took them a couple of years, but they're there. And it's an interesting dynamic because Frank the Clown, for all we know, he might be the anti-hero of Warrior Wrestling. As he attacks <laughs> Principal Steve, the power-hungry, corrupt tyrant who runs these shows. So Principal Steve might have bit off more than he can chew. And, and Warrior Wrestling, uh, they may be in for a little bit of a surprise. Well, I mean, it, it happens 
December 12th? Bingo. Yes. Uh, two, yeah, I don't know when this will come out, but yeah, December 12th. Um, it's actually going to be at the Tinley Park Convention Center. It's actually a new venue. Normally, the shows have all been at Marion Catholic High School, which is where Principal Steve, the promoter, uh, where he actually is the principal of the school. But uh, they're moving it to another venue. Um, so it, it's still Frank the Clown stomping grounds. Anywhere mm-hmm. near, near in the Chicago is Frank the Clown country. So, uh, yeah, they may not know the building as well as I do. They may not know the ins and outs of the blueprints or the, uh, the architecture of the building. So, again, where there's a will, there's a way. And Frank the Clown always finds a way. Frank, I got a few more for you, and then I'll let you go. Um, you've been a fan. You've been in wrestling. If there's one thing you could change about wrestling, what would you change? Whew. More Frank the Clown. We want more <laughs> Frank the Clown. Um, that's a good question, actually. Well, I would like to change the fact that fans don't just enjoy wrestling. You don't need to pick it apart always. You don't need to criticize it always. You don't need to, to rag on this or that. Just enjoy it. It's television. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's enough wrestling out there for everybody. So there's, there's something for everyone. Just stick to like what you like. Don't, you know, don't shit on things is before the, you know, let them play before you let them play out. I would say wrestling fans. A lot of times nobody dislikes wrestling more than wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Like nobody hates their own fandom more than wrestling fans do. Um, so it's like, just, just don't take it so seriously. Always, you know, just, just enjoy it. Take it for what it is. It's, it's wrestling. It's men, grown men fighting each other in tights and people dressing up in costumes and clowns and all kinds of silly things. Just enjoy it. Um, and also like, you know, I think they're, I think, you know, wrestling is, is starting that way, but like the old school, old guard of wrestling is all these weird, like gatekeeping things and this is more of like a backstage kind of deal but like we don't need any of that in wrestling anymore like mm-hmm. let it be an all-inclusive environment we mm-hmm. don't need this old school crap of people trying to block each other from opportunities for one reason or another let the cream rise to the top um and, and you know opportunities for men women everybody and and every, everywhere and I, I don't like sometimes the politics and the games that come with it she's like we're all there for the same reason we're all there to have fun um we're all there to you know enjoy ourselves some to get an escape from maybe real life some you know to make money of course to 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 build a career so yeah so letting the like just the the enjoyment thing you know within the locker room and the fans everyone just chill out just just let's stop taking things so seriously i i think i couldn't agree more with that yeah the year's wrapping up if you had to name a couple of your favorite matches from this past year that you've been able to watch what's going to be on that list. We'll keep full gear out of it because we know how loaded up that card was. Yeah. Um, huh. So I would say, you know, punk obviously has come back against Darby, such a spectacle. <laughs> um, really, I thought it was a really, really good match for what it was. It told a great story. Um, it was different than a lot of the other matches on the card, which a lot of punk stuff is nowadays. It's very storytelling heavy. Um, and then even on that same show, the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks steel cage match, mm-hmm. um, uh, unbelievable, just unbelievable. Again, I was I was front row for that, and I mean that cage is a big cage. The people that aren't there don't even understand it's bigger than a WWE cage. So when they're Ray Phoenix is jumping off the top and they're going, you know, climbing and doing this and blood here and spike shoes this, that was that one really stood out to me. Um, and then even like. 
going back to WrestleMania, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. Again, I was there and Bad Bunny stole the freaking show. Like mm-hmm. people were losing their minds because there was a lot of loyal Bad Bunny fans there that like didn't maybe know what to expect. I thought he was awesome. Like, man, that dude is great. And like that whole match was so much fun. I thought WrestleMania was fun. Um, you know, and, and even like the triple threat with Roman and Brian and Edge, I thought told a really interesting story and really didn't know which way it was going to go beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and going on that same show, because my memory is fading me on some other stuff. But uh, but even, you know, Bianca and Sasha for what it mm-hmm. stood for, uh, for the women main event in WrestleMania like that again. And, you know, it just how much it meant to them. And again, they delivered really really awesome to be there and be a part of that and witness you know history so yeah i I, there's been so much good wrestling all year and i mean just everything's just picking up right now but yeah those would be some ones that that stand out to me and now with 2022 around the corner give me one prediction for the next upcoming year wrestling related frank the cloud will be on television by the end of 2022 i i hope so i would love to see it that's the prediction and Paul Heyman might say it's, it might it's not gonna be a prediction. It might be a spoiler. So uh, that's that's my bold claim. Um, and what role or where remains to be seen. But bold prediction for 2022 by the end of the year, Frank the Clown will be a uh, will be on television, whether people like it or not. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I hope so. I want to see that. <laughs> Frank, where can everybody find you? Yeah, plug everything you want. Yeah. Um, Twitter and Instagram at Frank, the clown underscore. Um, I have micro brawlers. My micro brawlers are out. They are available. This I'm not saying this is a marketing blow. There are very, very few left. They're available on M3 toys.com. It's an exclusive to M3 toys, which is for those who don't know, like a subsidiary of pro wrestling tees. Um, so there, there's only 300 of them in circulation. And there's not many left. So I just, they're in hand now. Um, we had just got them. I just had signed a bunch two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago. Um, they were on pre-order for a while. They're finally here. The micro brawler community was, was not happy that Frank Clown got a micro brawler, but guess what? Ha ha jokes on you. You all bought it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so micro brawlers and prowrestlingtees.com slash Frank the Clown. I have silly shirt designs and whatnot on there. But yeah, as things kind of ramp up and end the year, um, you know, I'm looking towards a strong 2022 where hopefully Frank the Clown will be around so much that it'll really annoy people. <laughs> That's kind of the goal. The more Frank the Clown, the better. So, uh, and then in a couple of weeks, got Warrior Wrestling, it, whether or not I decide to show up. Um, people can't see the video, so they can't see winking. But, uh, <laughs> but December 12th at Tinley Park, it streams live on, on Fight TV. And uh, the streams live on Fight TV. And then I have Freelance Wrestling on December 17th, that same week in Chicago. That's an IWTV. Uh, I will be leading my man, Robert Ego Anthony, to the Freelance Championship uh, that night. It's a long story that uh, I think will hopefully fulfill my prophecy of being that champion. And, uh, and then, yeah, 2022, uh, you know, I got a lot of things lined up already. So, you know, I'll post it on my social medias and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a big Frank the Clown year. Well, I am very excited for it. I'm excited for you. And uh, when the eventual AEW pay-per-view comes to Winnipeg, I will expect to see you there and I will gladly show you around town. I had never been to Canada before. 
I really want to go to Canada. I was going to ask you before we start recording. I'm like, you're from Canada, aren't you? I am. Um, so uh, yeah, it, that that's great. So yeah, they they have to come to aid. They have to come. They have to come to Canada soon. You would think. So um, yeah, it would be very very cool, especially in Winnipeg, to uh, be at something like that. Awesome, Frank. Thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much to Frank the Clown for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. It was a blast having him on, shooting the shit, just talking wrestling. And I mean, that's what we're all here for, really, isn't it? Is uh, to, you know, talk about wrestling and have fun with it. So it was great having him on, just sharing stories and all of that fun stuff. So definitely check out, uh, you know, check him out online. He gave you all the socials. And uh, I mean, maybe check out Warrior Wrestling this weekend because just because he's banned doesn't mean he's not going to show up. So nonetheless, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I say it every time and I will always say it. Thank you. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. It's the fact that people listen to me ramble on about wrestling. It, it means a lot to me. So thank you so much for that. If you're uh, wondering where you can find me, this is your first time listening on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Shoot me a follow. Let's talk wrestling. Let's have some fun. Email GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com. I'm up on all the basic uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you could rate, review, I would really appreciate that. And up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. I don't update it as much as I should. I really need to get in the habit of that. But there is a page up on there. So thank you again for checking out the podcast. I know the next few weeks I've got some fantastic guests lined up. I can't wait to share all that with you. But until then, thanks again. We'll talk soon.